Hello, everybody. We're going to be going over today cost-effective solutions to increase employee retention and job focus. So if you want to come and listen, come and join. And welcome, everybody. Uh, thank you for getting virtual with us on a lovely Wednesday. So today we're really going to be focusing on cost efficient and effective solutions to increase employee retention and on the job focus. So kind of a little bit of a backstory. Um, I grew up being an avid swimmer. I loved swimming. So once I got to be of an age where I could start to work, um, I first and foremost wanted to be a swim coach. So I got to dabble in a lot of different arenas and figuring out how to coach and manage a group of 200 children, but also managing their parents and the other swim coaches that were below me. So that was kind of my first intro into managing a team and managing different kinds of people and what um, different effective tools and strategies might be helpful. And then growing and evolving and graduating from college, I got into finance where I spent a few years within management, um, where I was the person managing independent contractors. And then I transitioned back into wanting to be a full-time independent contractor myself and having my own team and being able to be the financial advisor of my dreams. Um, so within that evolution, I've been able to see different ways and manners to help increase um, what my employees and what my team are able to give me, um, because I know I'm giving 110%. So I want to make sure that my team is also providing that. And then also my whole family has always been business owners. So my dad, my grandpa. So I just come from a long line of business owners and people that like to run the show. Um, but there's definitely some different strategies and tactics to really raise overall productivity for everybody at the end of the day. So that is what we'll be going over. Then a little bit about my company and what we are all about. So it, uh, I'm a part of a team, um, my business partner, Abby Toy, we uh, created CT and Associates a little while back because we had a real passion for women in the LGBTQ plus communities um, and just really wanting to help empower and advocate for those groups. Um, but at the end of the day, everybody needs help in regards to finances. So, so that's why we try to make sure that we are welcome to everybody and all. The way that I break up planning or strategies for how I want my team to function or problems that my clients have, I always come down to what I call the GPS. So goal, problem, solution. And when I break it up in a GPS format, it makes my whole life a lot more clear and focused on what I need to get done or how I need to fix something. So the goal for today is increasing retention and productivity. What business owner does not want that, right? It costs a lot of money in order to find and recruit individuals and then add on the training section of it all. So what we all want is to make sure after we do all of that, we keep the good people. Right. And once I keep my good people, I also want to make sure that they are being the most effective and efficient and productive self that they can be, because when they're not, it costs me money. So if I don't 
keep my good people. And if I don't maximize my good people, it's costing me money at the end of the day. And within business, that's the thing that we want to reduce as much as humanly possible, right? We want to increase our income and decrease our expenses. So then hitting at, well, what's getting in the way of affecting or reducing the overall achievement of the goal that I have? It usually comes down to employer struggles and employee struggles. What are the, some of the different issues that are going on behind the scenes that maybe we aren't connecting with the goal that we have in plan? So that's really what we're going to be focusing on today are some of the problems and then also the solutions. What are the different tools and strategies that are available in order to help reduce or completely eliminate the problems in which we're facing so that we can achieve the goals that we have? So GPS is my go-to with most things in life. So that's what we're going to kind of follow through within the entirety of today's presentation. So the four main problems that I tend to see go within all four of these different quadrants. So this is what we're going to be tackling. We will tackle each one of these quadrants within this presentation. So first and foremost, I want to discuss employee recognition and employee appreciation. Oftentimes, those two things get um, intermingled, where we think recognition programs are showing appreciation. But in reality, recognition is a segment of overall appreciation. Appreciation is really when people feel valued and cared for. And so when we're creating a really successful, really strong team, a team that wants to stay together, a team that wants to su succeed together, a team that wants to make sure that we are boosting and moving forward um, in the best direction that we possibly can, appreciation is a really great way to ensure that. And so when we look at the different stats and numbers, because I am a finance person, so I do like numbers. I know it's not everybody's jam, but it's my jam. <laughs> um, so when when we look at what appreciation can do, 43% of people who feel appreciated are more effective and are more overall productive. And that's what we want to be able to provide for our team. And there's really easy ways that we can go about doing that. But it's important to recognize that recognition and appreciation are two separate entities. When we're recognizing somebody, we're giving them a pat on the back, we're giving them some kind of feedback that's very specific to a performance or a result. It doesn't mean that we are overall seeing the people that we are working with and thinking of how can we do something for them that's really meaningful, um, that shows that we care. Because when we care, they are loyal. They want to make us proud, make us happy. They want to show that appreciation back to us. And that's overall a much more long-term strategy. And it involves continuous steps. There aren't just one or two easy things that you can do. There's ways that we can get um, better practices and appreciation, but it is a lot of listening and figuring out how all of our employees function in different ways. 
at the end, what I will do is I will have a little QR code where we can sign up for a time to talk one-on-one -on -one because what we're doing is also putting together a bit of a survey for your employees if they so choose to want to fill out a survey to figure out how would they best feel appreciated. Um, we can give that to you so that they can have an anonymous way to communicate that information, but then we can result um, some feedback back for you. Now, when we're looking at appreciation as a practice, how do we improve on it? How do we get better? First and foremost, we need to be looking for it. So when I was a manager for quite a few years, figuring out how my staff worked, how I wanted to make a change within our office, I saw that morale was not great. Um, and, and that's very, very common in financial industries and in many industries. Not all company morale is wonderful and delightful all the time. And so I saw that it was really low and I knew that I could tackle that. I knew that I could bring and elevate that up so that people had a much warmer, much overall approachable feeling towards not only management, but just the, the feel in the office. So trying to figure out what were little steps in order to create that appreciation practice was first and foremost, I wanted to, because I am the way that I am. An Excel spreadsheet is my personal method of, you know, taking notes and keeping things organized. Everybody can do their own thing. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I was getting to know each one of the staff members and figuring out what were the little things that they loved, right? Who was the health nut in the group? Who was the person that was really into um, specific kind of cars or who is really into comedy or who is really into wine? Whatever it may have been, I wanted to get to know those little details. And a big portion of that was listening and asking questions. And then I would put it all in my Excel spreadsheet. And for each of their birthdays, I would put together a little basket. I wouldn't, I would try to limit myself. I wasn't always great at it, but I would try to really limit myself on a budget, of course. Um, but I wanted to make it customized. I wanted to make it special. I wanted to let them know that I was listening to what their favorite candy was or who was really into sewing, whatever their own personal joys were. I wanted to know those things and I wanted to show them a token of appreciation and value, but also in a way that was cost effective for the overall business. And something easy like a birthday where it's kind of cemented in your calendar and you can make it something that you can make it a practice. And that's step number two, make it a practice. So how are ways that you can get it in your calendar to remind yourself that I need to be showing appreciation to my staff? members. Because as business owners, we're juggling a thousand balls constantly, and it can be a little overwhelming. So if something's in my calendar, it's a way for me to solidify it to make sure that I'm not jumping ahead or overlooking something. I'm taking a little bit of time in my schedule to make sure that I'm keeping the people that are making me money at the end of the day. Um, so having it be a practice form it might seem silly to put it in your calendar. It can be such a big changer though. Um, and then the last thing is, and it, this also sounds very silly, but it's step number three, it's receiving compliments more graciously. When your employees feel appreciated and valued, they are going to start appreciating and valuing you more. Um, which has multiple levels where that is wonderful. But when you start getting more compliments or more appreciation back, it's really 
really important to accept those and just say thank you versus degrading it or cutting it off because that creates a bad culture moving forward. It makes them feel like they're not going to want to do that again because they felt silly or it wasn't taken seriously or whatever it may be. If you want your people to feel appreciated and valued, you need to be able to accept that back so that it just continues a spiral of positive appreciation moving forward. So when you look at the statistics, when you look at the different kinds of books or different podcasts or TED Talks on appreciation, these are the three steps in order to help create that practice within your life, which then you can do within your business. Now, Jumping back in, we understand that employee recognition is kind of like a one-time thing. We're saying, good job on this report, good job on that sale, but it's not fully encompassing, whereas appreciation is looking at a full big picture. The other areas that we're going to be looking at is what are the things that are holding your employees back, different ways that we can maximize selling our benefits, also looking at professional development as, as well as personal development. So the next two things that we're really going to be tackling are the ones on the right. So what is holding your employees back? How do we really focus on not just professional development, but also personal development? Because that correlates to that appreciation token that I was just speaking towards. So when we look at what are your employees doing within a work week, when we take a poll of a thousand employees that make about $25 per hour. These are the stats that we have for it. So about a little less than half of the employees spent zero to one hours working on their personal finances. That we're not as worried about. I mean, it's not the ideal situation, but it's really the additional half of the pie that is concerning, where people are spending at least two hours or more on their personal finances every single week. That is costing my business a lot of money. That is also making it so that my employees are not producing the best because when you're dealing with your personal finances, it's usually not a positive thing. It's usually a negative thing. And so that negativity and those stressors cost my employees not only time that I am paying them, but also it's meaning that their productivity when they're on the job, their focus, their stress level are not at the places that I need them to be to produce the top numbers, the most sales, the most productivity, whatever it may be. So it's really tackling how do I address and handle this 58% of people that are spending two plus hours of their work week focusing on their personal finances. So when we look at different stressors that people have, financial stress is the number one cause of stress for people within the U.S. And this is done by multiple, multiple different surveys from very credible companies. So when we look at the overall cost that an employer has, because this is the problem, right? The, the, the employer is having to pay the bill at the end of the day for the stress that their employees are going through. So on an average, on an average, it's costing usually employers a little under $2,000 per employee per year on just 
related matters in regards to their financial situation. So when we look at how do we reduce costs and how do we maximize everything, that is not in the wheelhouse of what we're looking for. I want my employees to be able to be balanced and healthy, um, but I also need to know how can I best manage that, but also how do I reduce the amount of HR distractions that I also have to face by helping them fix their problems, the emotional support, financial help, change of schedules um, that we all have to deal with as business owners. I can't tell you how many times I had to do one-on-ones with some of my staff members because they were going through a really emotional and stressful time. And I'm happy to do that, of course, and that creates more of a bond. But I want to try to reduce (laughs) some of those meetings as much as humanly possible. And so my way to do that is how do I prevent versus just addressing the issues when they pop up? And so when we look at some of the other factors that pop into things, workplace accidents, workplace accidents are also not something that I want to have to deal with or cleaning up messes, essentially, that my employees make not on purpose by any means, but because their mind is off somewhere else. So reducing some of the different fires that I have to put out on a weekend week out basis means that I get to focus more of my time making money, making the business more profitable, spending time with my family, whatever it may be. Um, But putting out fires constantly is draining and exhausting and it's not making money, right? So we wanna try to reduce that as much as possible. As I have said, turnover is not something fun that anybody really likes to deal with. I think we've all had those meetings where it kind of feels like it came out of the blue um, that somebody wants to leave and we want to know why they want to leave. Um, And it's really unfortunate when they just need to go to something that is paying them more because they love the culture, they love the company, whatever it may be, but they're really stressed with their finances. So having those kinds of conversations, put a real damper um, on your quarter, usually not even just your week, because then you have to go down the whole rabbit hole again. So reducing turnover is huge. But when we look at the things that stress out our employees the most, it is financial matters. So how do we better address that Um, is we put together financial wellness programs. And so that is something that myself and my business partner, Abby Toy, that we do for companies, small and big, um, is put together financial wellness programs that fit within their schedule and fit within what their employee needs are. And so when they look at the numbers from once again, many, many different um, very large company surveys, it shows that it reduces their stress. It's important to them. It increases their productivity and it wants them to stay within the company because it's showing the employees that their employer cares enough about them, not only about what they're doing while they're in the office or while they're on the job or while they're on the clock, but also beyond that. How do I make sure that my my employees are successful? And once again, feel appreciated because I want them to be overall healthy, wonderful human beings that can move through this world without having to worry about that paycheck to paycheck mentality. 
So when I say that to employers, oftentimes then they tell me, well, Katie, listen up here. <laughs> what my employees tell me all the time is I'd just rather get paid more. I'm just going to work until I die. I live paycheck to paycheck and my employees already don't utilize the benefits that we provide to them. We're not big enough to do these kinds of things. We don't have the funds to do a retirement plan, so on and so forth. I get it. I've lived it. I've had family members that have been in these same scenarios. The issues that I have for employees that have these comments is I live paycheck to paycheck. I'm just going to work until I die. Um, I, I only care about increasing my paycheck. I don't want health insurance. I don't want any of that. You, sometimes you don't know better until you, you learn better, right? And so for a lot of these employees, there's a lot of reasons for why they feel this way, but it's because they don't know how they can get out of this hole. They don't know how they're going to handle a really tough scenario. Um, and then once they do handle that scenario or a bad scenario comes at them, they're lost. And guess whose office that they're in? They're in your office and they're trying to figure out how do they make this work, whether they need a loan, whether they need to work overtime, whether they need you to change schedules. All of these different things are once again still costing you more money or they're looking for different opportunities of employment and that's also not what you want. So there's better ways to do this. There's different um, hurdles that, that we do have to go um, and overcome, but it's really important that these people are able to get the kind of education so that once they know better, then they can do better. But then they also need a little bit of that accountability coach to help them through those times. And that's what we don't want you to have to be anymore. You can be the accountability coach for work stuff, but we don't want you to have to be the accountability coach, the therapist, and all these different things on top of what you're already trying to do career job wise. So that's where we're able to take those reins and that responsibility and create a little bit of outsourcing for you. So then you don't have to hear about it. Um, but then also from an employer perspective, there's a lot of cost efficient ways, free ways um, that you can do these different kinds of plans or have these different kinds of opportunities for your employees. Or if you are just an individual employer, so it's just you, um, you also have options that are available to you to strengthen your overall um, situation. Or if you want to grow later down the line, then having that education base within your own back pocket for moving forward. So when in reality, some of the other facts that we do need to face is that finance and taxation are not taught in schools. I was a finance major. I went to U of A, go U of A. Um, but it's just not taught. And even when you are a finance major, you're not really learning about personal finance very much, though. You're learning about corporate finance personal finance and corporate finance are two very, very different worlds. And so when we lack this education, we have to do it on our own, or we have to listen to podcasts or watch YouTubes or whatever it may be. It kind of comes in the same line as working out. I was an athlete. I know how to work out. I know how to get a good sweat in. That does not mean that I work out nearly as much as I should, right? You need that accountability coach to help push you to do the things that you know are good for yourself, your body, your finances, your future. So once again, that's something that we want to take off of your plate and we want to be able to provide for your employees. 
Then the other big thing, my, my dad, he had a landscaping construction company. So there was a big difference in some of the um, multi-generational households where it differs here in the U.S. and how people handle their finances versus in some other countries, culturally and financially. So understanding the differences and how to be successful within the US, not that there's anything wrong with, with other places, but if somebody's living here and wanting to be successful here, they need to know how to do it right here. Um, and so a lot of that is overcoming some cultural um, boundaries that are different and new to them. And they need somebody to hold their hand through that process. That's also a very big thing that some small business owners have to deal with. Um, but also, if you do have a really tight team, a small team, God, is it important to keep them? Because trying to fill those holes and those gaps when we're already a small group, it can be dramatic to the overall performance of the company. And so we want to make sure that we do stabilize and create that uniformity and create that stability for our small business owners so that they can continue to move forward and actually be thinking about the business side of things, not just once again, putting out all the fires constantly. And building your financial education isn't an instant thing. It's just like learning a language or learning a new skill. It takes some time. And so that's where we're able to not only combine holding people's hands. I always try to take a mama bear approach because that's just my personal personality. Everybody's different. Um, but I think it's really important that you take steps in understanding how the financial world, how your finances, how budgeting, whatever it may be works um, so that you can really build on it and make it so that it's a foundational piece of your career or your own life moving forward rather than getting a snowstorm of information and then being like that was too much i didn't retain anything right so slowly building up those financial um building blocks can be really really helpful as well so when we look at the different employer and employee benefits it overall just creates a lot more self-confidence and less self-defeating behaviors because once again once you know more you once you know more i can't talk anymore god bless you all um once you know more you can do better essentially um, but it just overall creates a lot more healthy organization for you and your employees um when we take a look at some of the different topics that tend to be helpful for the different employers that we work with. There's a varying degree of information that we can go over. Once again, you don't wanna go over all of this um, in one day, in one week. It's important to give slow bite-sized pieces, uh, but we just wanted to give you all a bit um, of, a, of a basic understanding of some of the different areas and topics that we do cover with people, even if it's the basics of how do we save for emergencies and bills and goals that we have, or you know, what are credit cards and, and how do we um, potentially get loans or how do we decrease our debt or what does our credit score really mean going all the way up to wealth transfer planning or what is social security really going to do for me and how should I rely on it so on and so forth so we're able to do a vast array of information um, but we want to make sure that it works for your staff members and we want to know what are some of the things that they are struggling with or, or the building blocks that they need to focus in on so now we've got a pretty good handle on some of the things that are holding your employees back on the job really is stress. And most times it's financial stress. 
And when we look at professional development, those are usually in the staff meetings that are already put together or the safety meetings, whatever they might be, management meetings. But we don't focus enough on personal development. Finances are definitely a huge portion of uh, personal development, not just professional. Did I say that correctly? I think I did, but stay with me. Um, <laughs> but now I want to talk about are we maximizing um, selling our benefits? Because I do a lot of presentations for big companies, small companies, all vast majority of them do not properly know how to sell their own benefits. And when you have benefits and you are putting in money as an employer, you surely want to make sure that people are appreciating them. But sometimes when you are dealing with so many issues all at the same time, it just gets kind of pushed to the side. Or it turns into a little bit like parenting, where you can tell your kid something a thousand times, but then a stranger comes and tells them something. And it's like, wow, I've never been told that before. That's genius. That is such an enlightening thought. And you're, the parents just want to pull their hair out. Oftentimes, if there's a third party to come in and give a little highlight to something or explain it maybe a slightly different or the exact same way, um, sometimes that has a much bigger impact on them retaining it and absorbing it and utilizing it or putting it in practice. So these are going to be just some of the different ways um, of having benefits. They are different kinds of things at different kinds of price points for different kinds of companies that are out there. I just want to highlight on a few things, but if you are having a struggle with selling your benefits, that is where we can help create, once again, educational programs to really highlight and make sure that people are understanding things. Like if you do have a retirement plan, what is the basics of investing? How can this overall help me in my long-term goals so that I don't just think for the rest of my life, I'm going to work until I die? Because sometimes it's physically not possible. Um, so you need to have backup plans in place. Um, so we want to make sure that if you're having a tough time selling your benefits or if you feel like your employees aren't taking advantage of these things, that we can provide some um, help and support in that manner as well. So for those individuals that don't have any kind of retirement plan currently available, whether that's due to it costs too much or it's too much work or they don't think that their employees would take any benefit from it, this is a completely free way um, to create a retirement plan for yourself and your employees that's really, really simple um, and the effort or the responsibility is on the employees, not on the employer. And so this is a payroll deducted IRA. So for those that don't know, an IRA stands for individual retirement account. And so IRAs are available to everybody in the US who's a US citizen over the age of 18 has working income. And so for anybody out there, they can for the most part, they can open up an IRA with any kind of financial institution. But a lot of times, once again, I know how to work out. 
I know what I should do for my body. It does not mean I always do it because I don't have a full gym just right in my house, right? So having a payroll deducted IRA makes it a bit easier for them because what you can do as an employer is say, yes, you can link up this IRA um, to our payroll system so that the contributions that you want to make employee, um, you can contribute those from our payroll system. So that if somebody wants to contribute $50 every pay or $100 every pay into this retirement account, they can so they can do so. And all that you are helping them with is allowing payroll to basically have a slot for them to make their contributions via their paychecks. So it really uh, allows you to stay out of everything. You don't have to um, file any extra paperwork or, or go through any of that. You don't have to make any contributions. It just makes it a little bit easier for your employees to get the motivation to start contributing into a retirement account um, that they can so make any changes and all changes that they want to it and you don't have that responsibility on you. Now, the uh, limitations that they do have on this is how much you can contribute to every year. All retirement accounts have a maximum for what you can contribute within a year. For these in particular, it is $6,000 unless you're over the age of 50, and then you can do an additional $1,000. So if this is something that you have questions about, once again, feel free. We can chat about and just make it as simple as humanly possible for you. Um, now, another option that's available, this is for a company that they have employees and they want to give some extra kind of incentivizing factor, kind of have like a 401k in nature, but it'd be a bit cheaper um, because we don't have a huge company. So a simple IRA could be a really nice option for you. And what a simple IRA is, is it's really like a smaller version of a 401k. And maybe I should take a step back. Many people have heard of a 401k. It doesn't mean that they fully understand what that is. And that's okay. Because once again, none of this stuff is taught in schools. Um, but a 401k is a way for people to once again, save for retirement. And it's usually within really large for-profit companies. A simple IRA is for smaller companies where they can do the same thing, contribute, employees can contribute into this, and employers can have a match program that's associated with it. So if you want to give some kind of contribution so that you have a little bit more of a recruiting and retention tool, this could be really nice for you. Um, so the max that people can contribute into this is 13,500. And then there's once again, once you get to age 50, usually all accounts allow for a little extra boost, for a little extra savings before our retirement years. But this is an account where employees need to be contributing for an employer to match a portion of what it is that their overall salary is. So the employee needs to be in this thing and needs to be putting in some money for the employer to be putting in some money. Hope that makes sense. Um, then when we look at another option, it's a SEP IRA. Now SEP IRAs can be really, really good for a business owner 
that does not have any employees at all. Um, that's usually where it's the best fit for. Um, because when you contribute, only the employer is contributing money into one of these accounts. So the employees are not contributing into this. So an employer can contribute whatever amount they want to up to 25% of the employee's compensation or 58,000. That's a lot of money though, right? And so these are typically best suited for actual employers because that could be a lot of money that they're putting into somebody else's retirement plan. However, if you really, really want to do this, we can absolutely talk about the logistics, but usually it, it comes in most handy for individual self-employed people who don't have any other staff members. The other option is a solo 401k. And once again, this is for a scenario where it's an owner and maybe an owner and a spouse, but you don't want um, other employees within one of these scenarios. Um, just because of the nature of how they're put together. So the employee and the employer are able to make contributions. However, we only want this for our employers and their spouses. So you as the owner are the employee and you're the employer. So you get to make dual contributions into one of these accounts. Um, so usually it's a conversation of would a SEP IRA be better for you or a solo 401k? And that's where we have to talk offline, get more into the nitty gritty of how your company works to see what would be the overall best fit. But you are able to essentially do a lot of contributions into either one of those two plans for you as the owner, the business owner of the company. And then the last thing, and this is the very last one that we'll go over on different kinds of plans, um, is an executive bonus. And so when we talk to employers, there's a lot of employers who um, want to maybe have bonuses for their employees, but they want it to be a little bit sticky is what I'm gonna call it. Just like you want sticky, at least that's a term that we use. We use sticky clients and sticky employees. We want them to feel loyal and, and have incentives to stay as much as possible. And so for an executive bonus, it can be an incentive to stay with that employer and with that company versus moving all to different directions all the time. You, you want that, um, that money that you are giving to them to have some kind of what we call golden handcuffs. So what this is, is we can have a life insurance policy for um, the employee of your choice or multiple employees of your choice, if you so choose, where they are your rock star, your main person, um, the individual that you're really trying to retain. And you want to give them a life insurance policy where it will be under their name, but she will be the payer of that life insurance policy policy. And you can create different rules and options within it so that there's flexibilities and how much you contribute to it. But it allows your employee to have incentive to stay with that company, because either you create rules where if they were to leave the company after a certain amount of time, then they'd have to pay it back. Or um, if you wanted a scenario where maybe they wouldn't want to pay the premium policies um, once they left you. So that's an 
incentive for them to stay with you because you would be the one paying that. And there's also some good tax deductions on your side, but a lot of um, flexibility with what it is that you can do. And so there's no ERISA requirements and you can target, you know, specific individuals, so specific members on your team, if you want to make sure um, that this is something that, that you get to really pick and customize. But anyways, this is another form or way to create extra retention incentives or um, extra recruiting opportunities or conversations that you can have moving forward. So the three takeaways from today, I have this slide and then I just think one more. Um, so we're almost done and then you guys can ask as many questions as you so choose. But the main three takeaways that I want people to start thinking about and implementing is first and foremost, how do you show appreciation to your staff? Do you do recognition? Is that the only thing that you do? How can you do something that's a bit more customized and a bit more um, showing that you care about them as a human, not just a pat on the back when they do a good sale or when they do a good job or anything along those lines. How do you show that you care about them as a human? Because that creates a lot more retention and overall effectiveness on the job. So what do you do to show that? Then how are you currently selling your benefits? Is that something that you think you're tackling well on your own? And the way that you can truly see that is how are your employees utilizing the benefits that you are providing them? If you're having a tough time with um, participation rates or anything along those lines, that might be a sign that you need some outside help and assistance, or maybe you just need some outsourcing so that you don't have to do that on top of everything else you're doing, right? Um, so trying to figure out how is that approach going for you so far? And then the last one is what kind of personal development do you currently have for your staff or do you think your staff would really appreciate? And so that's where if you shoot us over an email, we can put your um, your company name on our employer list and then we can send out a survey to you so that you can give that to your employees. The nice thing about us having that is then one, it can be completely anonymous for your employees and not super clear who's giving you what information we can provide that for you so that it's non-biased or anything along those lines. But also then we can kind of show you some data in comparison to the other people that are within this organization, um, within Cahoots, and really show you what other people are looking at as well if your employees aren't giving you a lot of feedback. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, we have a QR code that it won't take you to my email, it will take you directly to my calendar where we can chat one-on-one -on -one to figure out what your overall situation looks like. But if this is what you would specifically want, then we can absolutely get that done for you. Um, but anyways, those are the three takeaways. So if you need to take a screenshot, take a screenshot or take your notes down. But I really think it's important if we want to increase our overall effectiveness and retention and just overall on the job focus, these are the top three ways to do it. And you need to evaluate how you're currently doing to then know what do we need to really focus on first and foremost. Then just really quickly, I won't go too long into this, from being a business owner's daughter and granddaughter and being in it myself. These are just things that I think all employers should know, um, but oftentimes don't think about because you're so busy doing so many other things. First and foremost, um, if your spouse helps you, like my dad, 
My mom handled all of the back end side of the business. They never paid my mom a dime, though. Um, she just helped and, and did all of it. And it was for the business, right? But she was never an, a paid employee of the company. That really hurt and affect her overall social security benefit. So if your spouse does help, is it something that you could you should consider is having them as a paid employee? Um, even if it's not a ton, it can help their overall social security benefit, which then in fold increases the income for your household later down the line. Then the other thing is key person insurance, key person insurance, excuse me. Um, and that is essentially when you have somebody who is key and valuable to you. And if they were to pass away, um, unfortunately, that would be a huge toll on your overall business. Sometimes it's also really important as a business owner to take a look at what your insurance plan should look like. Um, so just something to think about. Do we need to make sure that we have ways to mitigate some of those costs if somebody were to pass away, unfortunately, on an untimely manner? Then the other one is how does your own retirement plan look? My once again, hate to bring it back to my family, but my dad being a landscaper and a business owner, he was great at his job. He did not know anything about investments or the man doesn't know how to pay a bill if his life depended on it. So he didn't have a big foundation in his overall retirement plan. They focused on real estate, which was fine, but that real estate is not a liquid asset. So it's important to have balance and diversification in where your money is at so that all your eggs aren't in one basket or when certain um, kind of legislation, tax, estate rules, they change constantly. We've had a really big change within the estate tax rules within the last two years or so, and they will continue to change and evolve. So it's important to have diversity within your assets and your investments so that you aren't hugely affected and it doesn't remarkably change your your entire plan if they make some tweaks over the years on certain assets. And then the last one, if you do um, have a business, which I'm assuming everybody does, do you have a business continuation plan if you want to end up selling your business? Once again, my dad did not have a business continuation plan. He did not sell the business. So all of the clients and the work that he put in for so many years just kind of went wayside. Um, that was a missed opportunity, to be super frank. So he could have gotten a big influx of retirement income that would have been really great and really helpful. I was not in the business when that happened so many years ago. So just something to think about if you need help with any of these things, we're also able to help and assist, but they, it would just kill my soul if I didn't bring these up. Um, but anywho, that is the end of my spiel. Um, once again, I have my email on the screen and then I also have that QR code. And if you're not familiar with QR codes, you take your phone and you put it on camera mode and you just put it close to the screen and a little link will pop up. And then you click on that and I'll take you right over to my calendar so that we can talk one-on-one -on -one about your own situation, about your company, whatever it may be, if you want um, y'all to be a part of the survey that we're putting together so that we can get some good feedback for you, more than happy to discuss that.